another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. You know, I was thinking, uh, and again, if you're new to life, every couple of years we do a series around money. And uh, I think you would have picked up, if you've been here for any length of time, that we're going to go to anything that's a major. Whatever has a major effect on who you are and the way you live, we're going to go there. I think I was thinking this week, what are the top five? And maybe these would change if I have more time to think about it. But I think one of the big five issues in our humanity is a search for intimacy. We're designed by a God that we would know Him intimately. And there is the separation that comes because of sin. And so we end up with a deep longing for acceptance. But I've discovered that true intimacy can't be found in a human relationship. It's a reflection of the intimacy that God wants us to discover. And I want to encourage you today, if you're on that search for intimacy, you'll never find it in a created thing. You'll find it in the Creator. I think the second thing I was thinking about is the search or looking for an answer to past pain. Some of us are in church, we're a believer, but we've got this pain echo in our lives. We, we carry pain because of what we've done or what's been done to us. And pain and shame can really lock us up. But God wants you to know, wants us all to realise that we can find an answer to past pain. Third one I wrote down this week was the discovery of fulfilling purpose. So often it's our insecurity that blocks us really discovering what's going to fulfill us. And again, you can't find fulfillment that's last in things. And yet we can kind of put a band-aid around that fulfillment that we're looking for by buying things or being involved with things. And God wants us to realize we can create an eternal echo the moment we discover our purpose, our design purpose. I think the fourth one I would say is the support of authentic community. You can come to church but never live in community. You can have friends you turn up and have a meal with now and again, but not have authentic community. See, community that's authentic needs depth and longevity. And that's why we really believe, get into a group and start to discover a relationship that has deep roots so that you can be authentic with one another and you can find a way through. The fifth thing I wrote, which is what we're going to deal with as we talk about money's monopoly, is a pathway to financial freedom. And uh, you may be one of those that would say, well, I, I don't like talk of money. Do you realize that money empowers the time that you have here on earth? When you break through in money, it empowers you to have an ability to do well in your time on earth and bring the kingdom in a focus. It enables you to have and to create a generational echo. And all of that is wonderful because people that say to me, well, I don't like teaching on money. I just say to them, you love teaching on what you have a breakthrough in. See, what you love to do is what you love teaching on. If you are hesitant about money, it's because you've got a wrong view or it's a real issue in your life. It's amazing how many people will stay away just so they don't have to confront. And yet it's one of the top five, maybe one of the top three. So when you look at that, there's a big challenge with it. And so we thought we would take this thought of money's monopoly. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm one of those people that have played a lot of monopoly. 
Come on, we've had family nights, and particularly when I was growing up with eight siblings in our family, we had Monopoly, and we would play Monopoly again and again. Did a little bit of research on Monopoly. Did you know that it sold more than 275 million? The longest Monopoly game apparently went for 70 straight days. How many know you're an addict? If you're going to be doing that, it's in 111 countries and in 43 languages. And so on family night, I loved it because it's about strategy. It's about really discovering that it's the strength of your acquisition that determines the success at the end. Oh, I just gave away the key. See, we look at Monopoly and we see it all differently. And I reckon it's a great analogy because in the church, too many of us are just wanting to land on chance. Now, if you know the game, it's like, well, if I could just get to chance, everything could change. Whereas I wanna tell you that God doesn't live by chance, He lives by principle. Some of us can't wait to land on free parking. Come on, we want to use somebody else's money. Are you with me in Melbourne? Come on, every campus is like, well, if I just won the lotto. Trouble is, most of us that live that way end up in jail. We can't even collect the rent and seldom get to pass go. And we find ourselves stuck. Marie was saying this week when I was talking about Monopoly, she says, oh, my greatest motivation is just getting the coloured street that I like. So that's not the way I'm wired. It's kind of like, I want world domination. It's kind of like, let's just get in there and make it happen. And so you're always living this balance between the money you receive at the beginning, whether it's 1,200 or 1,500, purchasing the streets you need, the timing of putting houses and then hotels, and then having to pay what you didn't expect and being in that place. And so today I wanna begin this three-week series talking about money's monopoly, but I, I wanna begin by talking about money's mojo. Because I reckon money is such a powerful, in fact, the word mojo, money's influence, money's spell, money's dominance. That a lot of us don't realise that money is a powerful authority in our lives and it consumes us. In fact, yesterday, beautiful day yesterday, went for a walk with Marie just to Manly Beach and we were walking there, saw this couple, we bumped into them, we knew them. So we began to talk with them a little bit about life and that and said, oh, we're starting the series tomorrow and they started talking about budgets and they had this full-on fight, mature couple. I think they're close to 70 or maybe 60 to 70 and they were talking around their budgets and then he ended up tackling her on the grass. And in fact, I know them because he's on our board. I'm not telling you who it is, but he lives up there some of the time. He's in the sailing. He's got the most beautiful wife. He needs a lot of work. There were kids on the beach looking and going, oh my gosh, look at that old couple rolling around in the grass. Didn't realise it was all about money. But seriously, come on. Money is an issue and we, we really don't go there. But here at Life, I'm telling you, we're going to go wherever there's a main issue. Because we're not here just to tickle somebody's want. We want to see a breakthrough in every part of our lives. And money affects human existence. It's said to be the number one conflict or reason for conflict in human relationship. 
So you look at it and you begin to realize, hey, money is something we need to deal with. And we need to discover God-centered wisdom. We need to break the power of debt that's sitting over us. We need to get a biblical perspective on money. In fact, I'd put it like this. Money or lack of it dominates our everyday decisions. Hmm. So you might say, well, I've got money, so this isn't a series for me. No, it's a big series for you. Because money dominates and it has the power of authority over us. And I suppose, I wonder how much of your life is currently dominated by a lot of money. It's driving your agenda. Or you're dominated because you've never really broken through into money. I read this story of a, a man by the name of Robert. He was in his mid-40s, never been married. And his mum had passed away and his dad, who was particularly sick and they said he had no hope, just pulled him aside and said to him, Robert, you're the sole heir and you're gonna inherit everything that I have and there's much wealth. You're gonna be lonely living in this big house on your own. So I'm telling you, you need to find a wife. Well, in the weeks that followed, Robert spotted a single woman whose beauty literally took his breath away. And he walked up to her with boldness and said, right now, I'm just an ordinary man. But sadly, in a month or two, my dad is gonna pass away and I'll inherit more than $20 million. Well, the woman gladly went home with Robert and he introduced her to his father, his dying father. Two months later, she got married and became his stepmother. <laughs> Don't tell me that money doesn't motivate you. Come on, I've said for years, money says to vision, what? I can release you. Got a vision in your heart? Well, God wants you to break free in money so you can release the vision. Money says to need, hey, I can help you. I can literally make a difference in your need because God's helped me break through. Money says to debt, I can free you. I think the big thing is that money says to time, I can direct you. Yet it's funny, the more money we have, the less time we seem to be in possession of. And I think we've got an imbalance and I think God is wanting for us to make a shift. And I remember at the age of 38, being married for 15 years, some of you have heard this story. I had always tithed since I was about five or a little younger years of age. But after 15 years of marriage, Marie and I looked at each other and we said, how come we could never buy a home? And the simple reality was we were giving everything away. We had only been taught giving and we didn't understand that God works principally. And so we thought one day we would just land on free parking. We thought by chance something would turn up and maybe God would send something from heaven. Only to discover that God had to change us and this has become for me now a passion, even on a global base, that I believe one of my life's missions now is to equip God's people and people even outside the church in breaking through and getting a God-centered understanding of how money can become a great asset and a freeing agent. And so I'm passionate about it. And I found that God took me to 2 Corinthians 9.8. This is what I began to read. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And I changed the words, put my name in there. God is able to make all grace abound towards Paul. No, you're not a special case. 
Wherever you're hearing this message today, you are not a special case. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always, everybody say always. Come on, with passion. Always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. If that was just one thing you took out of these three weeks and you began to read that and allow your spirit. So you say, yeah, but I've been in debt for years. Well, that's not God's will. You're missing something. And we had to come to a point where missing something we don't understand. God's grace, His benefit, His favour, His gift, His liberality can cause you to have all sufficiency, a perfect state of living where you need no extra aid or support. Therefore, you could leave your job today and you would not need the money coming from your job because you have done it a different way. And you would work, but you'd work because God says it's good to work and you would work for purpose, not for money. And it's kind of like, wow, that's so far from my reality. Would have an abundance, would superabound, would actually ring with excess would increase, would overflow. You'd become an answer to everyone that you meet that's in need because of the revelation that you carry. Seriously. And we can say, well, that's a nice verse. No, 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 no. It's bigger. So Marie and I looked at each other and we just said, wow, if this is true, we've got something wrong. And my prayer is that we will see God liberate every single one of God's kids to do it God's way. Can I have an amen? So we're talking about money's mojo. I wanna talk about three things. The first is this. Did you realize that money is a life-defining issue? Stop and think about it. Talk with people about it. How much of your life has been defined by money? The dreams that you had as a kid, have you ever fulfilled them? But you couldn't do it because you didn't have the money to be able to do it. You say, well, I, I'm not sure I agree with all of that, Paul. Well, let's, let's go to Scripture because you've got to agree with Scripture. Proverbs 22 verse 7, it says, The rich, the one that breaks through in finances, rule over the poor. But the borrower will be servant to the lender. So the enemy knows that if you don't have it, you will come under the influence of somebody that does have it. That's why I believe God wants to see the body of Christ liberated. The enemy doesn't want that to happen. Because then money in our hands, we can become, again, an answer to need and to poverty and to brokenness. And we can say, hey, we're here to help you. And it's kind of like, oh, I'm serious today. I'm talking about, it's a defining issue. You say, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, who are you serving? Seriously. How much does money have the say in the time that you give? I reckon there are 80% plus in the Christian church that are bound by money both with it and without it. They're literally limited by the power of money. And you might say, well, I've got lots of money. I don't need to hear this. No, that's the problem. It's not that you've got money, but money possibly has got you. Oh, I'm getting warmed up. Come on. You're going to hate me or love me? And I don't mind really as long as the Word of God gets taught. Come on, we're in a world that has need. I read of the richest man they say in the world, a guy by the name of Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, his wealth is around $112 billion. And then they said just 1% of his wealth would be equivalent to the whole health budget for Ethiopia, a country of 105 
million people. Just 1%. We're looking in the world where money's imbalanced. Alexandra Dumas said this, don't value money for any more or any less than it's worth. It's a good servant. But it's a flipping bad master. And I'm believing that God's going to take us all on a journey where we're going to break this cycle. We're going to find God's answers. In fact, again, if you've got a problem with money speaking, just read your Bible. There are 10 times more verses about money and stewardship and finance than there are about salvation, than there are about faith. 10 times more. And yet we don't spend time parking and talking it through. And It's kind of like you can't go there. People will get upset. Well, they're already upset because they're not breaking through. You say, yeah, but I still don't think money should be such a big issue. Here's my thought. Money doesn't change you. It unmasks you. You see, if you have money, it's going to show you what you really are deep down. It's going to show you where it's all about you or how much of your world is about others versus you. I was so blessed years ago when Bill Gates, come on, Gave $50 billion for world poverty. Don't tell me that money is evil. Understand the truth is that it's a defining issue. You see, if you build a fire in a fireplace, it's going to warm the home. You have the fire outside of the fireplace, it's going to destroy the home. It's like sleep with anyone. No big deal as long as you don't get found out. No, you're destroying your future. You're destroying what God wants you to have. And then 1 Timothy 6, 17, instruct those who have money, who are rich in this present world. Don't get conceited or don't think, oh, I'm okay. Or fix your hope on uncertain riches, but on God who richly supplies. I love that. He richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. And so therefore, we've got to realize for all of us, every campus, if you're online today, I'm just saying to you, it's a defining life issue. It's, it's like God wants you to realize that He wants to widen the scope of your ability to be a reservoir, a channel of the purposes of God. Let me come to the second thought that not only is it a life-defining issue, it's God's purpose. It involves abundance. So therefore, the enemy does not want you to live with it. I, I in my book, God, Money, and Me, this is the whole process of my journey when it came to money. God's helped me to articulate it in a form that's going to empower, already is empowering, again, globally. We've printed it in Aramaic. We've printed it now in Dutch. And uh, again, the feedback is just giving people answers. But in it was money myths. It's kind of like money's not evil. It's the love of money. It's when money is deciding who you are. I remember the emails I got early years here in New Zealand when I spoke at Parachute festival and I used uh, 3 John and uh, 3 John 2 where it says beloved I pray that you prosper and be in health in all things and they said you're suggesting that prosperity is something God wants to bless us yes I'm not talking about blab it and confess it and just buy more and more cars. I'm talking about a prosperity where the abundance of heaven is released to you so that wherever there is a need, you become a conduit of heaven. You don't just say, God loves you and believes in you. Say, He loves you, believes in you. And because of Him, I now can help you. 
Oh yeah, but Jesus didn't have a whole lot. No, God's purpose involves abundance. 2 Corinthians 8, 8 verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this, though he was rich. Do a word study on that. It's kind of like, look at God in heaven. Look at God in the Garden of Eden. Look at God before sin came in and see the abundance flow. He's a creator. Everything expands. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, for my sake. Come on, everyone down at South, everyone up at North, everybody again in chapel, everybody online, everybody in Melbourne. It's like, for your sake, listen to this, he became poor. You say, yeah, but this is just spiritual stuff. No, that word poor is this word or poverty that you may become rich is the condition of positioning one destitute of riches in abundance so that you may become rich. Here it is, to have abundance of outward possessions, to be affluent in resources so that you can be a conduit of the blessings of salvation to all. Come on, I need some more response. You are not just, come on, a crazy atom on the world. Just gonna be dictated by this and this. And again, for Marie and us, it took years to begin to activate and realize that we're gonna change our mindset. You know, you're looking at somebody, every time I bought a shirt and somebody said, oh, pastor, got a new shirt. It's like, yeah, I got it in sale. Because Marie doesn't give me enough spending money. And seriously, most of the time I did get it in a sale because I'm Dutch. And if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. But seriously, I still remember feeling guilty like maybe I shouldn't have the shirt. I remember the first lease car we got as a church and it was a new lease car. And it was like, I parked it around the corner. Because you can see it in the eyes of people as they look. You're driving out in the car, it's like, oh, pastor. <laughs> Come on, how many know the feeling? It's kind of like even now we still, we haven't owned a car for years, the lease cars. But it's like, oh, pastor. In fact, we had to do one leader's time where I said, I'm gonna give you all of our financials just because there was all this sort of mess that was going on with some American pastors. I said, we got a huge mortgage. We still today got a mortgage on our house. And it's not wrong, but I found myself almost making an excuse which was wrong. Because some of us go, oh, that's great to know that about your pastor. But no, 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 no. I want you to know this about God's Word, that God's purpose involves abundance. Okay, let's take John 10, 10. You know it well. The thief comes but to only to come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have that life. It's a Zoe life. It's the absolute fullness of life. I'm having life abundantly, super abundant in uh, quantity, superior in quality, beyond measure, more to the point of having superfluous abundance. The religious demons hate this kind of teaching. It's like God says, I wanna break you free and so that you can do it. It's kind of like Pastor Casey Treat once said, you know, somebody came up to me and I had a silk tie on. Oh, nice tie. Silk, huh? Lifted up to look at the navel. Pastor Casey said, you realize it's only silkworm vomit? 
You know, perspective is such a huge word. Proverbs 11.10, when it goes well with you and I, the righteous, not because we're special, but in his righteousness, the city rejoices. Oh, I pray that the government pastor would, you know, use the church for more things. They'll come knocking at the door when there's abundance flowing into the needs of the community that they serve. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation by the blessing of the upright. The city is exalted, and yet it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Could I say that the mouth of the wicked sometimes is the wrong understanding of God's people? It's actually undoing. We, we haven't settled that we need to break through into more so that we can be more of a blessing. King David and the people are presenting their gifts to the temple. And this is what he says in 1 Chronicles 29, 12, but riches and honor, hear it, come from you. Riches and honor, they come from you and you reign over all and your hand is power and might. God in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. Our job is to have a humble spirit, but wrapped with a revelation that God wants to intensify more for us. So that we don't take it. You know, money is great in a righteous person's hand once it no longer dominates their heart. I wonder how you would respond if everything was taken from you today. I wonder if you still could say, well, I trust God and I've always trusted God. Or it's like, man, I could never do that. Hear me. Money is one of life's defining issues. God's purpose involves abundance. Here's the third thought for today. Did you know that money determines resident authority? You can have a belief and a relationship with Jesus around salvation, but have areas in your life where there is a different authority at work. And you determine who that resident authority will be. The enemy understands the God potential when we begin to live it God's way. I think most of us would be aware that Adam and Eve in the garden failed to position God as sovereign. They listened to the lie of the serpent. And so therefore, the net result was they were removed from the place of God's provision. See, we think we can just make any decision and then God is just a God of love, so God is just, He will always love us. But we can and do determine what and who is resident in authority in our lives. And that's a big one because we wouldn't think that we worship money, but many of us do worship money because we have never understood that God has a role to play. And I think even for all of us, every two years, we don't take up offerings here at Life, but every two years I wanna teach it because we drift. You know, the big thing is you have a big breakthrough and you drift and it's not like you're putting God in His rightful place. Jesus put it like this in Luke 16 and verse 13. No one, no servant can live with this dichotomy of serving two masters. For either they will end up hating the one and loving the other, or else they will be loyal to one and despising the other. And then Jesus says, you cannot, it's emphatic, serve God and mammon. You can't. 
So therefore, every time you bow to mammon and say, that's what I'm going to allow, make my decisions. By the way, mammon is a Chaldee word for money God. So the whole Bible talks about this money God and it's where your confidence is now based in your riches. Your confidence and security is now based in your increase. This is how I would define mammon. Mammon is unsurrendered money that has the authority or the rights to draw us away. And when you begin to research, and I do a whole session or section of the book on mammon because we need to understand what it's all about. In fact, Jesus mentioned mammon four times. It's the only evil spirit he ever named. He delivered a lot of spirits, but it's the only one he ever named because he understood, and we need to understand that mammon is, has an enemy attached to it whose goal is to separate us and to divide our loyalty. And this is what I didn't realize, and a lot of people still don't realize it. It's like, well, do I have to give to the church? No, you don't have to do anything. You get to choose. But you are choosing about resident authority. So I put $20 in my pocket. This is what I've come to realize, and I can support it biblically, that every time you increase, whether it's salary, whether it's the sale of a house for more than you paid for it and did it up, the difference between the two, every time you increase, you get something as an inheritance, you you just have a windfall. Every increase, it's like every time that happens, you make a decision about resident authority. So every time you increase, God said, that's my tree. The tithe, in the, that was in the garden. The tithe, the first 10%, decides who you're positioning as sovereign over your financial world. Come on, it's gotta get quiet in here now. It's not about paying for the church or somebody robbing someone else. And as I said, I can be bold in this because as far as I know, every time I've increased since before I was five, I've always honoured God with the first tenth. And God's saying, come on, realise that this is empowered to draw you away. Therefore, you can be a giver, but not honour God in the moment of your increase and still have the spirit of mammon saying, I've got access. I've got the authority over this God because it wasn't given to God. You see, if you go to verse 11 of the same chapter, Luke 16, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who would give you true riches? It's like God says, I can't allow you to be a carrier of things that have eternal value. Eternal security, eternal echo. If you can't take what belongs to mine, in fact, if you read that and do a study on it, you'll realize that money is a divine testing ground. Wow. It's like, I want a breakthrough. So I come to an altar call to get the breakthrough and God says, well, if it's in the area of your finances, it's a testing ground. I literally believe, hand on heart, hear this with humility, that God would not be entrusting life with the current degree of financial breakthrough if he didn't have proved that he would be on it all the way through. And some of us have got to realise you can't go back, but you can stand today and go, wow, I didn't realise I love God. I believe the Bible. I worship. I feel the presence of God. And you know what? Mammon says, yeah, but I've still got a hold of you because you did not put God sovereign over your increase. Therefore, I have rights of access. Wow, it's getting quiet in here. Come on. 
Because if we don't break this open and say, well, nobody's making anybody do something. That's why, again, as I said, we, we've decided not to take offering because we don't want you to feel manipulated. We're going to teach the Word of God. You get to choose who is resident authority. You and I get to choose what it looks like. Every time we increase our money, our increase attracts one of two spirits. It's our choice that decides that. And I'm just praying that as we look at how we begin to break through, that we position God's sovereign. And by the way, that does not mean you start honoring God with the first tenth, next week you get a pay increase. It may happen that way, but I'm telling you, your future is heading for abundance. But it's only one of the ingredients behind me. As you can see, I've got four jars, and if you are new to life, I understood three of these, three ingredients to make the breakthrough in a financial free life where we can build generations that follow us. But there was one, which was this one, that I didn't understand. And over the next two weeks, I want to talk about principled faith. Not only do we need to understand the authority of money, we've got to understand what are the four ingredients. If you're a cook, how many know you don't want to miss a major ingredient? Everything changes, even though so much more, so much is aligned. There's a thing that needs to happen. And, uh, you know, my prayer today is that I, I shake you. Or even better, the Holy Spirit shakes you. Come on, I need the team to come and join me. In fact, every campus, just come and join us. Because th this is stuff that, you know, it can be so misread. And I think the church often has done a really bad job. They fear people into stuff. But I want to teach with authority to say, every time you increase, every time you increase, you determine where mammon, the God of mammon, controls your financial world, therefore controls you. Or God is released. See, there was a, a rich man in Luke chapter 12, and Jesus used him to draw a picture. In fact, I would say this about mammon, which this guy had. Mammon seeks to gain sovereignty every time we increase. So I might do this well, but man, I've got this huge inheritance. Or we bought a house for 300, spent 100, 400. We sold it, amazing, for 800. 400,000 given the first tenth. It's too much. And the bigger it gets, come on in our humanity, the louder, louder. That's a lot of money. Yeah, God said, if you're not faithful in the small, you won't be faithful in the great. But Luke 12, verse 15, this is what Jesus said. You realize that one's life, whether you live in Australia, here in New Zealand, one's life does not consist, by the way, in the abundance of the things that someone possesses. Yet our feeling of worth is like, look what I just did. Look what I possess. Look where I work. Look at my cabinet with all the trophies. Jesus said, your life doesn't consist of that. That's why you're still looking for fulfillment. Great achievements, but that's not enough. And yet you compromise so much to get it. You spend your whole life working just to get it. Wouldn't you consider the sparrows? Wouldn't you consider... Like even the grass, it's there and gone. 
the next day. Then he said this parable. There was a certain rich man who yielded plenty. And he thought within himself, this is so challenging. What will I do? I've got no room. I've got so much wealth. I've got so much crop. He says, this is what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns and greater barns that I can store all my goods in those barns. Verse 19 of Luke 12, then he says, then I'll say to my soul, my emotional world, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Listen to what God or Jesus responds. God says to him in verse 20, fool, this night your soul will be required from you. Then those, or then whose will those things that you have, which you have provided, where will they be? Then he says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. (laughs) And I reckon we can live and have all this stuff. But again, it's mammon that's at the center. And we break the power of that resident authority by honouring God and everything begins to change. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.